You are listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. Awaken Church is a diverse community of authentic love and hope where you can belong as you change and change as you follow Jesus. Acts 16, beginning in verse 6. Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Then coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north from the province of Bithynia. But again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went on through Mysia to the seaport of Troas. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. We boarded a boat at Troas and sailed straight across to the island of Samothrace. And the next day we landed at Neapolis. From there we reached Philippi, a major city in the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. And we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went a little outside the city to the river bank where we thought of where people would be meeting for prayer. And we sat down to speak with some of the women who had gathered there. One of them was Lydia from Thyatira a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshipped God. As she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart, and she accepted what Paul was saying. She and her household were baptized, and she asked us to be her guests. If you agree that I am a true believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my home. And she urged us until we agreed. May God help us understand and apply his word this morning. You can be seated. So we're going to get into this, and I'll just say, uh, so far this morning, I'm putting up a sign that took 45 minutes. It still didn't look right to me. My reading glasses broke, so I had to go get these old junk reading glasses out of my car. Um, and a, the light fell on my head earlier when I went to hug Caleb. The light fell over on my head, and I had to go buy a new light bulb. I'm just saying, it can only get better, right? <laughs> Man, so I was thinking back about as I read the scripture on the last couple of weeks studying to get ready for this morning, um, I was thinking back about how I came to this place in my life and in ministry where I was at this place like, which road do I take? And I didn't have anybody come to me in a dream and tell me anything. But I was, I had been a youth pastor in Tulsa, Oklahoma for over six years, and I was in a transition time, and, I, and my, it was time for me to, to go somewhere else. And so I had actually put my resume out in our network of churches all across the nation, just kind of like, what's out there? And I ended up going for a weekend, a long weekend, to Torrance, California, which is basically the Los Angeles area, close to the coast in L.A. Um, earthquakes, traffic like ridiculous, insane uh, out there. And I went there and, and, and what they call candidate, I went there to try out, like visit. Do they want to hire me as their youth pastor? Is this where I feel like God's calling me and my family? So I went there, and I thought it clicked pretty good. I had a good time. Great, great church, man. I mean, it was awesome, and it was, you know, it was L.A., though. It was, like, crazy compared to everything I knew. So I came back home, and Shelly didn't go with me on that trip, and Christian was real little at the time. He's 22 and huge now. Um, big big guy, tall guy. So he was not tall then. So I come home, and I'm like, I feel pretty good about it. I just, I'm, we're praying. And they're going to meet in a week, and they're going to call and let me know. Meanwhile, I had another thing set up with another long weekend, which is in Waukini, Kansas. Now, I know you don't know where that is. Because nobody knows where Waukini, Kansas is unless they've driven on the interstate and just happened to stop there. Interstate, I think it's Interstate 40 that goes through Kansas and uh, into, into Colorado. And it's like 
not too far from Colorado, but it's too far to enjoy Colorado from there. It's a spot in the middle that's like nowhere. It's like the opposite of L.A., okay? Torrance, California, Joaquini, Kansas, within a week of each other. And I go and spend this weekend with this, and I click with a pastor like that. I was like, oh, man, I was going to be the associate pastor. This guy's going to be the pastor. This is about to get fun, y'all. This is about to get So we just clicked. But there was just something about that that place we were there we were meeting Shelly and I were there I think Christian was even there and just like we're like this is great it's a great church these are great people this pastor is just like I could really I really enjoy working with this guy and it was like we just didn't feel because we've been praying God you got to just lead us to where you want us to be where do you want us to be and it was like we were had been praying through this time so while I'm in Joaquin, Kansas I get the call from Torrance California the pastor there hey we met it's a hundred percent we are a hundred percent unanimous that we feel like God is asking us to ask you to make the move out here to L.A. and be our youth pastor. And I was like, all right, let me, let me, let me pray about this a week. You know, this had already been a week, so let me get, give me another week. Let me pray about it, because I'm in the middle of another visit with another church. You know, I didn't say, I'm visiting this other church. I was just like, just get, let, me, let me and my wife pray about this another week. So meanwhile, we leave Kansas. We're driving home, and they were like, they offered us the job on the spot in Kansas. They're like, um, when can you start? Because we feel like you're the man for us. God, is, God, we believe that God is calling us to extend an invitation to you to come be our pastor. I'm like, well, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Give me like a week to pray about. You know, we just met. You know, we came to visit and check this out. So they're like, here's the job offer. Some guy like, so I'm like, here's the job. I can go to Torrance, California, L.A., or Joaquini, Kansas. Both, have said, both are saying to me, we heard from God, and here's the open door. And I'm like, God, really? Los Angeles and Joaquini, Kansas. Both these doors wide open and both of them saying, we heard from God. And God, how come I hadn't heard from you? I mean, I, I feel good about either place. Shelly Shelley was like, no, I feel a strong no about going to, to California. And we were working with that. And we both are like, we just don't feel like it. So a week came, another week came, and I'm like, I'm not going to string these churches along. I'm just going to tell them both keep looking. I mean, I don't want to hold you up. We've been praying about this, and we do not feel, it's not that God's saying, don't go there. We just didn't feel God saying, this is it. We didn't have a peace about it. And we, I mean, this was, I mean, we were praying big time. So I'm like, okay. So I call California. Like, are you sure? They even called me back later on. Like, hey, we just wonder if you're still sure, if you're sure, because I'm like, no. I called, I called to Kansas, told them the same thing. I'm like, well, man, we hate to hear it. We're really disappointed, but okay. And that next day, after I had told them both, no, and I didn't have anything else coming up. You know, I'm just like, I'm going to keep working at the uh, substitute teaching, I guess. I mean, that's what I was doing. And I got a call from Coral Springs, Florida. And like, can you come? When can you come? Like, my schedule's open. Come next week? Yep. Set up a flight. They flew, flew me and my family out there. Spent, the, spent a long weekend in, in uh, Coral Springs, which is Fort Lauderdale metro area. Again, it's pretty metro compared to what we were used to. And it was just like, we, that night, the last night we were there, Shelly and I are laying there, like everything had been done. We'd done all the visits, all the stuff, all the speaking, all the meeting the families and the, the youth of the church and stuff. I was going to be a youth pastor. And it was like, I'm like really like, I don't want to say, I feel like God's telling me to come here because I'm scared to just like say that out loud. But I'm like, Shelly, what do you think? And she's like, God's telling us to come here. I'm like, okay, I'll say it out loud. I think so too. So the next morning we get up, pastor picks us up at the, the home we're staying in, drives us to the airport. He's like, hey, um, before you go, we want you to know we already met and we've already decided to hunt. We know that you'll need time. 
to pray about this and discuss this. I mean, I, you know, we want, we want to give you all the time you need, but we want to offer you the job and position. And like, we already, we've been praying for months about this. We've been praying, you know, we've been praying even last night, like God answered the prayer. So I can tell you yesterday. And it was like this moment of, wow. But here's the thing, you know, leading up to that, there was two doors wide open. And they both were like, hey, this is God's, God's opening this door. So what do you do when you're faced with two really good choices, but, they, but you have to make a choice? What do you guys do? Somebody, when you just give me an answer. How do, you, how, do you, how do you get to those? What do you do? Okay, you can do any, meeny, miny, mo, right? And then if you get to the, like, this one, my mama told me to pick the best one, and you are not it, but you are. You know, you, can just, you, know, you can do that. What else? Flip a coin. That's what some people do. It's like, I could do this. I could ah, flip a coin, right? I could, go to, I could go to Louisiana Tech. I could go to NSU. Flip a coin. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't do my college that way, but somebody did. Anything else? Any other ways you might make a choice between two really good decisions, but you have to choose? Oh, do some pros and cons. Yeah, make a list. All the pros and all the cons. That, that helps, definitely. Good. There's probably lots of, hopefully you would pray. Too. I mean, hopefully that would be what, what you would be doing. And, and that's where we're going today. We're going to kind of understand what, what part prayer really plays in these kind of issues when they come up. We're in this series, it's called Myth Busted, that we've come up with, because we're looking at some phrases, actually cliches that we might hear that go, well, you know, the Bible says this, or, well, the Lord says this, and we're looking at these things that we've heard, some of these specific things that the Bible, that people say, the Bible says, or the Lord says, and it turns out they're not actually in the Scripture at all. They're actually not there. Things like we talked about last week, um, you know, we, we mentioned um, you know, the love of mo- or money is the root of all evil, and it actually doesn't say that. It says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, all kinds of stuff like that. Myth quote Scripture and stuff that's just not there. It may be a good saying. It may be good advice, but it's not in scripture it's and what it can do is if it's if we're basing our understanding of god which is called theology if we're basing our theology on some of these things they're really good sayings may even be true but they could lead to really bad theology if we're not careful and so we want to get our understanding and our beliefs about god right don't we i mean that's that's what we want to do at least i hope we all want to do that so today we're looking at the specific phrase it seems like it's based on this story i read from Acts 16 it says, when God closes a door, he opens a window. Anybody ever heard that? When God closes a door, he opens, you know, the Bible says, or they make something, something like, you know, you know, the Bible says when God closes a door, he'll open another one. That doesn't say, that's not in the Bible, okay? So we're going to see from this story, which kind of sounds like, what kind of sounds like that in that story. So let's take a deeper look at this story with this big idea. Here's our big idea. As you follow Jesus, he will lead you to people and places to share his love. That's the big idea got to keep that at the foundation of what we build on today because that's the key for us understanding this phrase as you follow Jesus he will lead you to people and places to share his love so what we have to do is all of us have to do this we have to start with who God wants us to be that's where we have to start who does God want us to be a lot of times we're like what does God want me to do don't start there start with who does God want me to be it should be a picture I found Christian you put up this yeah who am I when you, when you have to describe yourself in the first day of class, anybody have that, those classes? And say, okay, describe yourself in, in class. And they're like, give us, like, who is, who is Caleb? You know? And you're like, oh, I don't know. I mean, I used to hear, oh, I don't know. I, I like wrestling. 
techno music? I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Weird. I don't. You know, it's like, who am I? That's like this great question, right? Is it is it an easy to answer question? Who am I? No, probably not. So the story starts here. Let's look at this who am I thing and talk about the people who are actually in the story. Who are they? The story is about these two church planting guys named Paul and Silas. And it's actually Paul's second journey. It's called his second missionary journey. On, on a mission to tell people about Jesus. Jesus is resurrected Lord. He's the Son of God. He's Messiah. And plant churches. This is his mission. This is the second journey he's on to do that. But it's his first time teaming up with this guy Silas. So also on this journey, we, we will learn at least part of the way on the, with them is this guy named Luke, because he's the writer of Acts. And we see in verse 10, he writes, we decided to leave at once. So Luke is with them at this point. So here's three guys on this journey with a team, apparently, um, because if we've read the whole story, you know, there's actually another guy, a young man who's probably in his early teens named Timothy with them as well. And so they have these guys, Paul, Silas, Luke, and Timothy, are all on this journey to, uh, to, to, to go and tell people about Jesus and plant churches. So, so that's who they are. Who are they? Paul is probably the most famous because he wrote most of what we call the New Testament. He wrote letters that ended up being now scripture for us. But before he met Jesus, he was a leader in this, um, this religious group called the Pharisees. But he was also, by his trade, his occupation, he was a tent maker. So he was like, he was a leader in this religious group. He was also a tent maker by profession. That's who he was before he met Jesus. All we really know about Silas is that, well, he was one of the first preachers about Jesus. He was one of the very first ones to take that message and go and tell others publicly about who Jesus was. Timothy, later on, would become a pastor and become a big leader in, in the church. And a little on, there's actually a couple of letters that Paul wrote to Timothy, First and Second Timothy. They're written also, find those in the, in the New Testament as well. But at this point, he's just this young basically kid, you know, it's young, probably teenager, as he begins to, to meet these guys and go with them on this journey. And then Luke, who's recording all this and writing all this down, is actually a physician by trade. So here's these, these are the occupations and kind of the background of who these guys are. So what did God want them to be? Preachers, missionaries, revolutionaries, church planters, yeah, you want all of those things, plus other occupations along the way. But when we think about it, think about you know, preachers and missionaries and revolutionaries, church planters and stuff like that. At the core of that is he's, he wants them to be followers of Jesus. And isn't that ultimately at the core of it what God wants for all of us? He wants us to be followers of Jesus. Regardless of your training or your occupation, God wants you to be more like Jesus. So we're wrestling with this question sometimes. Who am I? And I, I hope I am. Who I am is becoming more like Jesus. I don't want to say I'm Jesus because that might be a little sacrilegious. I don't know. But you want to say, I want to be, I'm, who am I? I'm becoming more like Jesus. That's it. Because that is, regardless of what you do, that's where God starts with you. I want you to be more like Jesus. So if we're going to take a deeper look at this saying, when God closes the door, he opens the window, we have to start with who God wants us to be. And who God wants us to be is more like Jesus. So the question of identity is a big question in our culture today. Who am I? So following Jesus, it doesn't turn you into this cookie-cutter version, clone of some other person, pastor, preacher, 
you know, a denomination, uh, it, whatever. It's, it doesn't turn you into like just cookie-cutter clone of other Christians. Who God wants you to be is the same for everyone, but it looks different in all of our lives because he has put this, he wants us to put our faith in Christ, and as we do that, we have our identity in him. And there are some things we have very much in common when we have our identity fully in Christ. So it looks like this. Who, are, who am I if my identity is in Christ? You begin to see who God wants you to be. He, God, you are a creation of God. That's the first thing about you. When you say, who am I? I'm a creation of God. That's, that's the first thing. When my identity is in Christ, that's one of the first things that I have to acknowledge. God is the creator, so we're all creations, right? I mean, even people who would say there is not a creator, it all just happened, they're still, it doesn't change the fact, they're still a creation of the creator. At least that's the way I view it. So, so, so he, but if your identity is in Jesus... Who you are is someone who believes this. There is a creator. I'm a creation. So I'm living in a way that I understand something. There is a God, and I'm not him. That's what this is about. There's a God, and I'm not him. Oh, yeah, I get to choose and make my own decisions and live my own life. Absolutely. That's what it means to be human. God created us with this free will, this choice to be human. But being fully human and making, having the free will to make all your own choices doesn't make you God. Because God has got a plan for you, and you can choose it or not. And there's things that happen either way. <laughs> there's things that there's peace and joy and, and, and life, life abundant and eternal if you, for one way. And there's also you choose to live your own life your own way and then have it go into darkness and depression and endless. And this word hell comes up. And that's, you know, this is all part of having that choice. But when your identity is in Christ, you realize there's a God and I'm not him. Second thing is, when your identity is in Christ, you realize, hey, you know who I am? I'm a child of God. I am a child of God. God wants more than anything to transform you from a creation of God into a child of God. Because we all God's creation. All of us are God's creation. But God wants to transform you when you put your faith in Christ and begin to follow him from a creation of God to become a child of God. This is what having our identity in Jesus is really all about. It's not just like, well, there's a higher power. There's a, there's a father. There's a dad. There's a daddy. There's a, there's a God who loves me with this ridiculous amount of love. That's what that, that line in that song we sang a while ago, and heaven meets earth like a sloppy wet kiss, that's, that's about the prodigal son story. The father running to his son and wrapping his arms around his prodigal son who returns home and just kissing him like I have three boys and I can imagine if one of my boys left for, for a couple of years and blew everything and had left going, I wish you were dead, dad. Give me all my inheritance. And they go blow it all and they come back. I'm going to, I'm going to yeah, it's going to be some sloppy wet kisses all over them. That's what it means to be a child of God. What it means is like who the, who the sun sets free is free indeed. I'm a child of God. That's who I am, a child of God. And the third, a third thing when your identity is in Christ is you're, you're a creation of God. You, you understand you're a child of God. And you also you realize you're, I'm a courier of God. A courier is someone who carries a message to somebody else. Like, you know, the mailman's a courier. The, the UPS, the FedEx, all those folks, they are a courier. They bring, you know, if, if somebody comes with, it, with a, a, a specific message and it's got to be signed for, sometimes those letters are good. Sometimes that's something you don't want to get. Those are called subpoenas. You don't want those. You know, and they, if they bring it, the courier is the one who brings it. We become this. Our, our identity in, in Jesus means we are someone who takes a message of Jesus to others. We become a courier uh, of, for God. And that doesn't mean you have to stand up in front of people and be, be like a preacher. 
um, that may be what God's leading you to do. It doesn't mean you stand up and, and sing about God and Christ, you know, but it may be that. Being a courier, courier for God means sharing his message no matter who you are and where you are. The message is, and the message is this, Jesus loves you. How offensive is that? Jesus loves you. That's one of our, my favorite things about that we've kind of discovered together as we looked at this. Like in that sentence, Jesus loves you. Let's just break it down. There's a subject, Jesus. There's an object in that sentence, and that's you, right? Jesus, I'm good. we're starting school now. Jesus is the subject. You is the object. And I love that that's correct grammar. You is the object. And the connecting verb is loves, right? So Jesus is the subject. You, that's everybody. That's, that's everybody. That's every human being, person, regardless of nationality, skin color. I don't care if, you, if, you, if they're an enemy of our country or not, whatever. That's the you. That's the, the, that's the you. That, that is the object of, of the love that's in the middle of that verb. But when you become a child of God and when you become a courier of God, you get transformed. Actually, now you're not just the, the object of the sentence. You're now the verb. This is why I like to say, I am a verb. Love, I am the love of Christ to you. I'm supposed to be. We should be. That's what it means to be a courier of God. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, So we're, we are Christ's ambassadors. That's couriers. We, we stand for him. We bring his message. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. This is who I am. I am someone with a message. Come back to God. And this is who Paul, Silas, Luke, and Timothy were because they started with who God wanted them to be. They were able to hear from God about what he would have them do and where he would have them do it. So before we can determine if God is opening or closing a door or a window, we have to start with who God wants us to be and then see what God wants us to do. We start with who God wants us to be and then we see what God wants us to do. Put up the next, there should be a, a meme I found up there, Christian. There you go. God, please send me a sign. God sends me a crystal clear, illegible sign. Me. That sign can't stop me because I can't read. <laughs> <laughs> right? We want a sign. And, um, man, I think that's, that's funny. A lot of times in life we have situations like the ones I shared earlier. Like, we just want a sign, a sign from God. And what, we, what we're saying is... We want a red light let's see, in the sky with an arrow pointing, like blink, blink, arrow, point, point, point. This is the choice. Do this. This is my will. And usually the signs are a little more subtle than that, right? Sometimes the signs are like, you just kind of, as you're driving down the road, and you say, oh, wait, there it was. I, I missed my turn. The, the sign is just kind of subtle. It's hidden. It's like sometimes the signs, they're there, but you're not looking. And that's the kind of signs that, that God brings a lot of times. He will show us. So our question is, how do you determine whether or not something is a sign from God. Because a lot of times somebody will say something like, the Lord told me, and they'll say something. And so it's supposed to be like, this is a sign from God because the Lord told them. But I'm like, did, did the Lord really tell you? Because if I feel like the Lord's told me this, I don't know that God would contradict himself in that. So either I didn't hear from God, or you didn't hear from God. So where's this, we're, you know, we're looking for a sign here of the truth. So Paul and Silas and their team had a way of seeing what God wanted them to do. It's called prayer. <laughs> it's called prayer. It's called following Jesus. And what they were doing is what God wants all of his people to do. Go preach the good news. That's what he wants us all to do in our way, in, in, in a way. He wants us all to do this because the good news is, again, Jesus loves you and there's life in him. That's the message. I don't get 
where people think that's offensive and how we get defensive about it sometimes. I mean, I sometimes I want to tell some of my Christian folks, my, friend, my brothers and sisters, like, chill, nobody's mad at you. All you're doing, if you would just tell them Jesus loves you and there's life in Christ, that's great. When you go being like, sinner, sinner, hey, rrr, 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 then you got a problem. He didn't say to go take that message to the world, did he? I don't find him to go claim who would go, go tell them all their sinners. He says, go and tell them that I love them. Love them. Go and, and help them become disciples of me. The good news is Jesus loves you and there's life in him that you can't get anywhere else. So there's a couple of ways we see this straight from the teachings of Jesus himself about what it means to follow him. Matthew 28 Verse 19, Jesus says, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is called the Great Commission. A commission is like a sending out. I also like to think of it as a co-mission. It's like the mission of Jesus. He asks us to join him on that mission. It's a co-mission with Jesus, and it's, it's, being, it's living sent is what it is. It's living that he sends us, and we live as being sent. That's what my good friend Gary, he, he, he coined that phrase. Actually, he's got a whole sermon series about living sent, which is really awesome stuff. And he sends us to go make disciples as we go. He says, go, go, do, go do the stuff you do and make disciples as you go. He sends us, and his mission becomes our mission, and we are living sent. Another thing Jesus says, what it looks like to, to follow him, is in Mark 12, 29. He was, Jesus was asked, what's the most important commandment, Jesus? And he says, the most important commandment is, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Now, we had the Great Commission. A lot of times we call this the Great Commandment. The Great Commandment is love God and love people. Love God and love people. And it's not just kind of, hippie dreamy state oh i just love everybody man it's like action <laughs> it's taking action and showing love and being love to all people you don't get to pick and choose that's the hard part <laughs> it's all people it's it's everybody it's jesus says love your neighbor and then he like describes who your neighbor is in a parable called the gate the, the good samaritan where it's like the 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 neighbor is the person who looks least like you from background from tradition to skin color, whatever. That's your neighbor, he says. He also says, love one another. He says, love your enemy. What does God want me to do? He wants us to love. He wants us to go make disciples, and he wants us to do it with love. So the cliche, when God closes a door and opens a window, here's how it ties in. When we come to the thought process of God, it's like we come to this idea, God just wants me to be happy, Right? And everything happens for a reason. That's like, if God opens a door or closes a door, he'll open a window. And God wants me to be happy. And everything happens for a reason. Which, by the way, those two phrases, also not in the Bible. God just wants me to be happy. Everything happens for a reason. Not in the Bible. Here's the thing. When it comes to living out our faith, what the scripture actually says what God wants to do, us to do is, Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, do it from the heart for the Lord and not for people. It's, like it's not about whether or not you're happy. It's not about everything happening for a reason. It's about whatever you do, do it, do it from the heart for the Lord and not for people. Do it for the Lord. 
So before determining whether God is opening or closing a door, start with who God wants you to be and then see what God wants you to do and then seek where he wants you to do it. We get it just so backwards so many times. I have. Who does God want you to be? Get that first. Then what does God want you to do? Understand. He's got this one mission. Go, tell, go share his love with people. Where does he want us to do it? So the question is, how do we choose Natchitoches to plant a church? And um, some of y'all may have seen a, an article uh, that was, I, sh- I shared it. We shared it from the church social media this past week. Um, a couple weeks ago, I was interviewed, and I spent an hour on the phone with this guy who's actually a friend of mine in Anderson, Indiana, on this interview about the church plant. When he first called me, he said, when he first actually texted me first, and then we talked on the phone, he's like, hey, um, I've been watching kind of on social media mainly, like your church plant, and it seems exciting. And I was wondering if you're ready to tell the story of this church plant. I'm like, well, if you're looking for a story of, hey, man, our, our family moved here, and all of a sudden people just started coming to our Bible studies, and we packed it out, and oh, we got this 200-seat theater we're packing out every week, and man, it's just like we're doing, you know, we're doing all these crazy, awesome things. I don't have that story. At least not yet. But I do have the story that, you know, the, the struggle is real, but God is faithful. I, that's the story I've got. And he's like, that's per- I mean, nobody tells that story. <laughs> nobody talks about the, the really, like, stuff that's, that's tough sometimes. So if you read the article, you saw it was like kind of the ups and downs, the roller coaster ride of our three years of being in Natchitoches and our year, almost two years now, of being like an actual church meeting in this movie theater. And then this up and down, there's some pictures of y'all too. Caleb eating crawfish, that's a good picture, bro. I don't know if your mama showed you that. Yeah. So it's like all these ups and downs and stuff, but what they didn't put in there was like, he said, how did you choose Natchitoches? And here's the thing was, I wasn't looking to plant a church. I was looking for the church I was pastoring in Arkansas to begin to begin to mother some churches to start planting churches from our church and the church there just wasn't wasn't getting that vibe and i'm like god why are you leading me to pastor a church that plants churches when this church is not getting it and then these folks called me from louisiana and they're like hey we want to meet um we came your, your name was given to us and we want to do a church plant i'm like how'd you get my name well it just came up well, uh, what? So, and we had the conversation. So, long story short, we we're like, okay, God's leading us to do, make this change in our life. We again, lots of prayer, lots of time during this time. It wasn't just like they called today. You want to plant a church? And we're like, yep, let's go. It didn't happen that way because we actually had pretty pretty good deal going where we were. Good little church and a neat community, Hot Springs, Arkansas. It's really a cool place, and that's where we were at. And I'm like, okay. We'll do it. And Shelly was like, God's leading us to do this. Let's go do it. So how do we pick Natchitoches? Well, they had a, a, a short list. The first thing we want to do is find the church planter and get that set. Then let the church planter and his family make the decision, where will they want to live and plant the church? The, then we have a list. Here's some, here's some places we would like to see a church planted from our network. The top one was Natchitoches. It was like, that was the top one on the list. Okay. I grew up in West Monroe. Go Rebs. And uh, that's my, my hometown girl over there. So I grew up in West Monroe, but I'd never been to Natchitoches in my life. And I'm like, okay. I was actually in West Monroe preaching a revival. That's a kind of a week-long service at churches. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the old school stuff. But I was preaching a revival for my home church out there that I grew up in. And I had a couple days afterwards that I was staying with my mom and dad. And I'm like, hey, I've never been to Natchitoches. And that's, that's where one of the places. I just want to go over to Natchitoches for the day. So my dad drove me over here in his truck. And we pray, I prayed all the way. We stopped on Front Street. And I said, Dad, before we get out, I just want to pray. And I just said this little short prayer. I don't even know the words. But something like, God, lead us to the people, the conversations, and help us to understand today what your will is. And help us to know this community as you would have us to know it. And the decision that we make from there. 
Amen. Opened the door. Stepped on Front Street. This is where we're coming. I mean, it was just like this. I just knew right then. It wasn't like God was like smack, 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 or this voice or this. It wasn't a shiny red light pointing an arrow. But it was just like I was overwhelmed with this feeling of peace and joy and home. You know what I mean? And I stepped on Front Street. I mean, one foot out of my dad's truck. I got to go to see the other places. I already been to Ruston. I already been I already been there, you know. I've been, I've been to those. I, I already know. I, I know that. I just know this is new. This is different. This is God saying this. And I just called Shelly after we we visited Nacogdoches that day. I'm like, hey, I got this really strong like sense that this is this is it. And she was like, I haven't even been there, and I do too. So it was like, man, God just confirmed that stuff. But again, the key is prayer through these things. Um, that's it. Because awaken church, it's this this what we're doing. This, this, not just the, the meeting, but the, the ministries and the things that we do all the time. It's been birthed completely out of prayer. It wasn't just some idea somewhere. There's these, these guys in this, this team on this network called the LCMCOG in Louisiana that were praying about a church plan. Here was a guy in a whole other state and his wife praying about, God, why can't we get church planting started with our thing? And as we prayed, God brought us together. And God just threw, threw a prayer all the way through. It's been birthed out of prayer and bathed in prayer every step of the way. So when people ask me, like, like in that article, he was like, how do you stay encouraged? I'm like, I just keep praying. God brings that encouragement every week. So when the, when the attendance is up, man, I'm feeling, whoo. And when the attendance kind of goes down, and, and I could easily go on Monday morning, man, yesterday, mm, it doesn't happen that way. Because when I'm in prayer, God brings that encouragement no matter how many or who or whatever. Sound issues, getting hit in the head with a light, doesn't matter. God brings that encouragement. The, the question is, how much time do you spend in prayer about God's direction for your life? Because this isn't about Steve's life, and it's not about awakened church. Not totally. But it's about you, your life. How much time do you spend in prayer about God's direction for your life? Because Paul and Silas, their team, they knew about spending time with God in prayer. They knew that what God wants them to do. They're living sent. And they were continually seeking where God wanted them to go and take this message of Jesus. So we could look at this story like the Holy Spirit of Jesus preventing them from going to Asia and Mysia as God closing a door. And we can look at this story like this vision or this dream of this man from Macedonia coming and pleading, please come here as God opening a window. We could, we, could, we could see it that way. And the thing is, God does reach out to us. And God does open and sometimes closes doors and windows of opportunity for us. But this is always in relation with who we are and where he wants us to take his message. The doors God opens for, for you and for me, all of those doors as followers of Christ, they are in regards to where he wants you to take his message, his love. When God opens a, a, a closes a door, it's about where he's sending you to share his love. What about my relationships? Well, God opens or closes the door in my relationship. What about this job I've been in? You know, you know, in my job, in my occupation, one door opens, another my internships, a door opens, a door closes. Um, what about this degree program? One door opens, another door closes. Uh, a window opens and doors closes and all this. I'm like, if God is the one opening and closing the doors, it's not about you living your best life. It's about his mission. It's it. Regardless of which door it is. If God opens a door, it's not for you to go get yours. It's for you to take his message there. To that place. Oh, you might get blessed. You definitely will get blessed if you follow God's will in some ways. But the key is, He wants you to take His message. 
He's, he's asking you to lift sin for him. So the team, Paul and Silas's team, they reached Philippi. This is this major city in Macedonia. And verse 13 says, on the Sabbath, we went to the riverbank because there were no synagogues in Philippi. That's where they usually went, to where the, the Jewish people were meeting so they could tell them, hey, this Messiah you're talking about, this Messiah you're looking for, Jesus is him. We know him. We already met him. Yeshua. Yeshua, the Messiah. He's, he's here. He's, he, he came, and he, he's the resurrected. He is with us. But they weren't there. So they went to the riverbank where people would meet for prayer. And they sat down to speak with the women gathered there. I love that the women are the religious leaders of this community. And they sat down, and one of them was Lydia, a businesswoman. She's not only a religious leader. She's a leader in the community. She's a businesswoman. And she, she worshiped God. She and her household were baptized, and she took the lead in starting the church there. So now, here's this religious leading a prayer group of, of, of these other ladies. She was also a businesswoman, and now she's the one that said, Paul and Silas go, okay, we're starting this church, and you're the, you're the church. You're the leader of this new church. This is amazing. This all happened because, verse 10, we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, as God was calling us to preach the good news there. They made the decision. It didn't just happen because, well, you know, everything happens for a reason. They had to make a decision. Even though God was leading, they still had to decide to follow where God was leading. Same is true for us. Going with God requires a decision on your part. Going with God requires a decision on your part. And your decision to follow where God leads will affect the lives of others. Sometimes in brilliant ways. Sometimes in ways you can't even imagine. They decided to go to Philippi. And when they went to Philippi, they met these people. And they told them about Jesus. They were baptized. They started a church. History tells us that church in Philippi was started about 52 A.D., about you know, less than 30 years, 20 years or so after the, after the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. But we know that because about 10 years later, Paul writes a letter in 62 A.D. to Philippi. It's called Philippians. We have it in our Bible. Because they decided... Hey, we're going to go. We feel like this door is open. We're going we're gonna to decide to go to Philippi. We now have a, a book, a letter of Scripture called Philippians, which we just went through last month. And we found as we went through Philippians that God will give us a broader vision through Philippians. teaches us this, a wider vision. us his own perspective on life that gives us less worry and more joy. We have this letter because they decided to go where God told them to go. 2,000 something years ago how crazy and awesome and beautiful is that so here's the thing about closed and open doors sometimes two or more can be closed or open at the same time and sometimes God can have everything to do with that and sometimes God can have nothing to do with that how do you know you have to be in prayer I truly believe though when God when we know who God wants us to be and what he wants us to do there are times when he leaves the wear up to us Sometimes we put too much pressure on us. We feel like if we just don't get every little step right, we're going to be out of God's will. I think a lot of times it's like, where's, where does God want me to do this? And God is saying, hey, who are you? I'm a child of God. I'm a courier, I'm a courier of God. I know there's a God and I'm not him. What are you doing? I'm loving my neighbor as myself, and I'm, I'm trying to be a disciple who makes disciples. Then do that wherever you want to go. You want to go over here and take this career? You want to, you want to go over here? You want to start a family over here? Go there. Just be this and do this there. I believe that. that's, that's what God does so many times. There are times he's got specific callings about where. I feel like for us, my family, specific Natchitoches was one of those times. But there's been other times I've experienced. There's two doors open and God's saying, you do what you want to do. Just be who I called you to be. 
and, 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 tell, and, and love your neighbor as yourself. Preach my word as you go. Okay, okay. The key is being directed by the Holy Spirit, and it requires prayer. Just like Paul and Silas and the team, you have to pray ahead of time, and you have to pray as you go. You have to pray ahead of time and pray as you go. As you follow Jesus, he will lead you to people and places to share his love. And at Awaken, we always like, man, we come to this point where we're like, what's the next step? And everybody, I believe everybody's got a next step. Every single, every single day, every single week, there's a next step for us. I have a next step. You have a next step. Um, man, if you haven't come to this place where you're like, you know what? I'm a child of God and put my faith in Christ. That's your next step, y'all. That's it. If you have not made this, this, this commitment of your heart, your life, we call it, we have these churchy words, getting saved, becoming a Christian. If you haven't done that yet, man, this, this is your, your next step should be. I want to follow Jesus and take that step. And that's very simple. Just say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I confess I'm a sinner and I, I need you in my life. And, you've, and you make that step. That's, that's the step. And if you've done that, and I, and I hope, I think probably most of us in here have made that step. Then what is your next step? One thing that we have is a thing that we've come up with a, a little while back called the 360 Impact. And um, we have these cards that are out here, and we keep them out on the table there. And we don't do this every week, but it's definitely part of this week, probably next week too, kind of leading us in the same direction. And then basically the idea is, who are three people in your life who you know who are far from God? You know, I'm not asking you to judge them, it's just, but you probably know. I mean, we have, I have lots of people in my life who I know. They're far. I'm just, you just know. I'm not judging them. It's just their life. They may even say it out loud. I don't believe. <laughs> okay. They're obviously far from God. So who are those three people? And you're going to make a commitment. I'm going to pray for them six days a week. Six days a week. I'm going to make this commitment. I'm praying for them. I'm not going to wear a T-shirt that's got their name. Quentin, I'm praying for you. <laughs> if I saw that with my name on it, I would be all right. I'd be like, man, thank you so much. But some people might get offended. You know, you got a, you got a prayer hit list. You don't want that. But you know, uh, so but you want to pray for them six days a week, and you want to miss zero opportunities to show them the love of Christ. That's called your 360 impact list. I've seen people be prayed into a relationship with Jesus Christ through this thing. It's just like prayer works, and this is a way that I've seen it work. So I would encourage you to take one of those, take the card or not, but I encourage you to do it. And there, there's some out on the table if you guys didn't pick up one already. Um, and we'll make that probably next week. We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more too. Um, that would be a great next step if you haven't already like, made strides in that area of life of being a disciple who makes disciples. Begin to pray about that. God, give me opportunities. Maybe you're like, I don't really, I can't think of three people. Stop praying. God, lead me to three people. It may be the person you always go to their checkout line at Walmart, and all you know is their name, but you don't know anything about, about them. You know what? God might be saying, put that person on your list. You don't know that they're far from God, but you know they probably need you praying for them. And then you can, I bet you if you start praying for somebody, you're going to start to build a relationship. I mean, it's going to, some kind of friendship, some kind of connection is going to happen because you're praying for them on a regular basis. What we're going to do is we're going to pray and we're going to sing. Um, and kind of be dismissed here this morning as well. Lord, just thank you for um, guiding us by your spirit. And this story, Lord, is, is, a, is it's kind of, in one way it's kind of weird, but we think of, of, of guys who are going to go share your message and, that, and the story says your Holy Spirit blocked their way. Um, and then there's other places, we, we see that there was a dream of this man who they didn't know, but they knew where he was from, saying, come help us. But Lord, I believe that you give us signs, whether they come from dreams or just, the way you put maybe a roadblock or closed door and open windows. Lord, we believe you're speaking to us. And what you're saying to us is, I want you to, to know 
that I love you and I created you and I want you to be my child and I want you to take this message. I want you to live sent and I want you to do this right where you are. And so, Lord, we say yes, that, Lord, we would do it. We would be who you want us to be and do what you call us to do right where we are as we seek where maybe you're calling us to go. Holy Spirit, we're asking you to lead us every step of the way. Lord, I pray that you would put on each of our hearts three friends, three family members, three, three people that we just kind of acquaintances that we know that need your love, that need a relationship with you. We ask that you would help us to keep our commitment to pray for them and to miss zero opportunities to show them your love. Because Lord, I know that you miss zero opportunities to show us your love. Lord, we just want to thank you. And now we're going to worship you for that very fact. You love us. You always take every opportunity to show it to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. It's our hope that you have been encouraged by today's message. Find out more about Awaken Church at awakenla.church or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at AwakenChurchLA.